Thank you. That uh, hymn we sung, I was, I, I, I suppose my brain's getting slower and slower as I get older and older, but um, I get stuck on various verses when we're singing hymns, and I mean, I can come away from singing a hymn and I couldn't begin to tell you what I've just sung. And then I'm sure I'm not the only one, by the way. Um, but there are times when I get stuck on verses and they, they really seem to speak to me, or God seems to speak to me through those verses, I don't know. And and the, the, the hymn we just sung there, apart from it being a lovely tune, and it is, um, there's so much in that hymn. And look at verse, well, if you want to open your hymn book to... Hymn 319, verse 4. Come as the Jew and sweetly bless this consecrated hour. May barrenness rejoice to own the, thy fertilising power. I suppose I chose this hymn because it had something to do with harvest, fertilising power, and it just... You know, I, I thought of the Holy Spirit there working in hearts, preparing hearts, cultivating hearts to receive the Word of God. And we're going to be looking at that in a lot more detail in the sermon that I have for you this morning in the Harvest Thanksgiving sermon. But the work of the Holy Spirit there, clearly he works in hearts with fertilising power. And that got me thinking about the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit and his work. And it's a, it's a huge subject and I just want to get you thinking about it just briefly without using up our whole morning doing this and, and I don't want the food to all go cold either. But... That leads us to think, what or who is the Holy Spirit? There's a whole section on God, the Holy Spirit in our hymn books, and there's a lot more in the Bible concerning the Holy Spirit. And it's as well to have some understanding concerning the person of the Holy Spirit. I say the person of the Holy Spirit, I'm just going to turn to a few references and I'll try and be as quick as possible. You can check these out yourselves later. And I might answer questions that you've possibly been asking yourselves. Acts chapter 16. A decree went from the council in Jerusalem to Gentile believers. Um, Paul and Barnabas were going out with some other chosen men to to visit various Gentile Christians and this is what they were told. Look at verse chapter 16 rather, verse 14. Sorry, I've got this wrong, haven't I? Yeah, 15. I don't know why I was saying 16, thank you. Yeah, verse 28 in chapter 15. This is the message that Paul, Barnabas and various others were to take to the Gentile Christians. 
in verse 28 that it, for it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things that ye abstain from meats offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled and from fornication. Okay, so this is, this is the message that Paul and Barnabas were to take to the Gentile Christians and largely because the, the, the council was mindful that they, they didn't want the Gentiles uh, doing anything to offend the Jews. As Christians, we ought to be mindful of brothers and sisters, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and we don't necessarily want to do things to upset the others or other people, even though we are allowed to. I'm certainly not saying that fornication is allowed. That clearly isn't. But what I wanted to bring to you there, for it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us. Well, I've told you who us are. Those people who are us, they are the council in Jerusalem. The apostles and the elders in Jerusalem. That is who us is. They are people, persons. And for it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us. So you've got someone else there, apart from the council in Jerusalem. You've got another person called the Holy Ghost. You've got the Holy Ghost there. Now, as to for our hymn, because what got me thinking about the Holy Ghost more than anything was this fertilising that we have uh, and, and working in, in men's hearts. And this is where I was getting mixed up. If you just turn over to chapter 16 of Acts, chapter 16, verse 14. I'm sure this is a verse that many Christians know. Uh, I'll read it to you. A certain woman named Lydia a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, that's Paul and Barnabas, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. So the Lord opened her heart, otherwise she would have been deaf to the gospel that Paul was going to preach. She wouldn't have been receptive to it, but her heart was opened and someone opened her heart. We say we see it's the Lord there who opened her heart. It reminds me <clears throat> of a verse in John chapter 3, where Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit. And he goes wherever he wherever he he wants to, and you hear the the, the sound. Uh, you don't know where he's coming from, where he's going to. And so it is with everyone who is born by the Spirit of God. And he opens hearts and he visits people and he, he opens hearts to receive the good news of Jesus and he quickens and he raises up spiritually dead people. Hence, born again Christians or born from above. Again, this is the work of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is a person. He's a person, it seemed right, it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us that you abstain from um, uh, various things, food sacrifice to idols and so on. I'm, I'm emphasising this because I've spoken to many people who call themselves Jehovah's Witnesses in London. I was meeting them all the time there. 
And for them, the Holy, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit was nothing more or is nothing more than an active force that God sends forth. Some active force, inanimate, just a, 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 like a, a genie in a bottle type thing, but an active force of God and nothing more than that. But, and, and we see that he is more than an active force. He is a person. Okay, but what, is he just a person? I wouldn't have him on the same level as the council in Jerusalem. There's got to be more to him. And there, there most certainly is. And I'll just stick with Acts of the Apostles. Years ago, when I lived in India, an old friend of mine, and by old, I mean old as in age, not that I'd known him for a long time, an old man who I used to go um, preaching, open-air preaching with on the streets of London, I, I would stand on the soapbox calling on people to repent and believe the gospel and he would be busy handing out Bible leaflets. He came all the way to India to visit me when I lived in India. That's the kind of friendship we had. A lovely old, a dear, a dear saint and a, a great friend. And we went out just for old time's sake. We went on the streets in India and uh, calling on people to repent and believe the gospel. And... Um, Someone from the, who called himself a Jehovah's Witness invited us into his home. And he got down to talking about the Holy Spirit. And I just sat and I listened while my dear old friend turned to Acts chapter 5, verses 1 to 3. And look what he showed that person from the Jehovah's Witness, the, the Watchtower Society. Chapter 5. This was a real lesson for me. Verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, <clears throat> his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Let's be clear, you, you, it's between you and God, whatever you put in that box at the back of the church. But what is wrong is when you pretend, you, you make a big deal that you're giving X amount when in reality you're not. You know, this is what's going on here. He kept back part of the amount and he laid the rest at the apostles' feet. Look at verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias... Why have Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? So there you go. Ananias, he's lied to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. That's the first thing we see there. He's lied to that person called the Holy Ghost. But it goes on, verse 4, or Peter said, Whilst it remained... Was it not thine own, and after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. So in verse 3, he's lied to the Holy Ghost. You've not lied unto men, you've lied unto God. Couldn't be clearer, could it? Very, very clear. That when Ananias lied unto the Holy Ghost, 
he was lying unto God. And so there we have it. The Holy Ghost and the, the, the elders and apostles in Jerusalem, they thought that, they thought right that, uh, the Gentile Christians abstained from certain things. The Holy Ghost is a person, but more than that, he is God. We see that very clearly there. And then, verses that we probably all know. You've got to get rid of preconceived ideas here. And misconceived ideas. And just read it as it is. A verse that we all know. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. This is when the commission was given to the disciples to, to, to make, to make disciples of all nations. <clears throat> Verses 19 and 20 in Matthew 28. Jesus speaking and he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Well, I'll stop there. Verse 19. Baptizing them in the name, name singular, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Listen. This is how I'm seeing this. If the Holy Ghost is not God, and let's take it a step further, if Jesus is not God, because I'm still thinking of these people who call themselves Jehovah's Witnesses who and who will insist <coughs> that Jesus is the Archangel Michael. So if the Holy Ghost is not God, Jesus is not God, why don't we just stop with the Father there? The rest of it's superfluous. Baptise them in the name of the Father. Put your full stop there. Not in the name of the Son and the Holy Ghost. Why would you need to add those two persons? Stick with God, if God is just the Father. But we haven't, have we? We've got in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And with that kind of thinking in mind, and this is my last reference now, I'm going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You most certainly know this one. I end a lot of my services with, my church services with these words. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Sorry, verse... 2 Corinthians chapter 13. I've, I've written these things down wrong. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. Look at this. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. So, Jesus is first here, actually. The, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion or the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. That, to me, speaks of a triune God. We don't have Trinity in the Bible. 
the word Trinity, we don't have the word triune. We don't have to have those words. That speaks for itself. Just as in Matthew chapter 28, verse 17. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost. They're all there. If the only one who is God in that is God himself, God the Father, forget the Lord Jesus Christ, forget the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, forget the communion of the Holy Ghost. Why not just have the grace, the love and the communion of God and be done with it? But we don't have that, do we? Very clear what's going on there. We need to read these verses prayerfully, see them for what they are. Don't forget Acts chapter 5 verses 1 to 4. So obvious. At least it is to me. And I hope it is to you as well. And we thank God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit for this wonderful work of redemption that is still ongoing with this, this, um, the eternal decrees of God with the, with it being worked out, uh, in the fullness of time with Jesus living a sinless life, laying down his life on the cross for people like you and me and God the Holy Ghost applying that truth to our hearts and giving us a hope that reaches up to heaven. Amen.